Welcome to the RedX Real Estate Podcast. Here, you'll discover how to create stability and opportunity for your business with tips, tricks, habits, and hacks from top performing agents. If you'd like to receive notifications for new episodes, be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you like to listen. And for even more updates on eBooks, webinar trainings, and other useful real estate content, head over to theredx.com slash blog and click on any blog post to sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Thanks for listening. Now sit back and enjoy the episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Stability and Opportunity Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Zimmerman, with another exciting guest who's going to share relevant information, tactics, game plans, things you need to know, things you need to say, things you need to do during these times to say positive, practical, and productive, which is why we have Mr. Brian Eisenhower, who is going to, and I think I said your name wrong, Eisenhower. Ooh, that's a big oh, one you, to mess up right, right there. Eisen, oh, Eisenhower, look at that right there. All right. Yeah, um, yeah I, I switch it over here and um, want to invite everybody in the audience right now who's joining us to say hello. This is a participatory event where we get to ask questions, interact. Just don't sit on the sidelines and uh, wait for us to tell you. This is a moment where you get to ask questions in the day, things that are important to your life. And that's why we have Brian here. He's an author of a book that's in my office. It's all about sphere of influence. And we're going to talk about that and more on today's show. Brian, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Justin. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, not everybody has your book in their office, and most people can pronounce your name better than I can. And so um, for those who are in those two categories, um, could you give a little background on your history, your experience, and what you're going to give our audience today? Sure. Um, well, I've actually, believe it or not, I've authored 12 books now, uh, one of which is Sphere of Influence. Um, and you know, the, all 12 books are based upon uh, different ways for real estate agents to grow their businesses and succeed in real estate. Um, I am, I'm an owner of several um, of large real estate brokerages, I've been in real estate for over 30 years, um, sold real estate myself, uh, had one of the first real estate teams back in the 90s a long time ago um, as well, um, and you know, owned and operated and started quite a few different real estate businesses. Um, now my passion is our company. I have a coaching and consulting company called Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. Um, we coach over 500 of the top agents, teams, and brokerages in North America. Mm. I've got about 25 coaches across the country as well, too. Um, and we create training systems, um, online learning systems, uh, provide those to a lot of brokerages, agents, and teams. Um, and, and of course, the books that you've talked about, too, are still, still a lot of our courses are based upon the concepts in those books as well, too. Um, so if you have a, an organization, um, even if you're a solo agent, you know, it's nice to, to, to get a coach, but then you can also be put through courses so that learning is um, expedited in between the coaching calls so you're not just hearing things from a coach. Um, same with if you have a team or a brokerage where you have lots of agents, um, you can actually then, through our coaching, provide our online learning system to your entire organization so they're all learning with you and you're holding them accountable and working through that with them. So that's what we do is we're trying to educate. And we've been very busy lately um, with the, the COVID-19. Um, it's caused us to shift and pivot our business to help our clients pivot their businesses as well, too, which is, I think, what we're here to talk about. 
I'm super excited for today's conversation, Brian, for a number of reasons. One of them, before we got going, you and I kind of got clear on one of the things that we're going to cover today. And so anybody who's watching, listening to this both live and or recorded, you guys are about to get insight into not just the current situation, how to adapt, but what Brian believes is going to be the fundamental foundation of future real estate listing appointment sales or we could just call them listing appointments going forward. And so I'm really excited for you to talk about what the virtual listing appointment looks like and how you believe it's going to be something that we talk about pretty much forever. And then the other thing I'm excited to share right now is Brian's a coach, he's got training courses. And so we're gonna do a little something that we've been starting to do here right now, which is for everybody who's watching this, if you ask a question today, a question that really matters, not just what color is the sky, but something that's really relevant to today's conversation, uh, Brian, at the end of this, is going to reach back out, and everyone who's asked a question is going to get a free coaching consultation. So watch and listen, save your questions, and then you can take that offline, and one of the people on his team are going to follow up and help give you the next level of uh, information that you acquire. So if you think that's a cool thing, let's get some shout-outs in the chats and some thumbs up, and uh, we'll start to roll into the first part of our show today, which, uh, Brian, let's start off with a positive quote, something that's relevant right now that's in your head or relevant to the teams or agents you're coaching. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think that w there, there's a lot of uncertainty out there right now. And I think it's I, I think what I would say is, did you ask for a quote? Yeah. Yep. OK. I, I don't know if this is this might just be my quote. Um, I don't know that it's somebody else's quote. Um, but, um, I think it's the most applicable quote that we have that we as agents should be embracing right now. And that's the, the business that we do today or the activities that we do today always generate business later. Okay. So a lot of people are concerned and they're polarized and they're frozen right now because they feel like they can't, they can't handle business. They can't, they can't perform the tasks of being a realtor. Um, different people in different parts of North America are stuck, right? Some can't have open houses. Some still can't show properties. You know, there. You know, and some have many have clients that don't want to move forward right now. Um, some are prohibited by the government from move forwarding right now. Some agents themselves are frightened to move forward right now and get face to face or do what it takes to close a transaction. So you have all these different things saying stop right now. But the the unusual thing about where we are is unlike previous downturns in the economy, we know this thing has an end. We don't quite know when that end is, but we know that end is coming at some time, right? So the work we do right now is very, um, you know, whether we can actually handle and service the business like we normally do right now is almost irrelevant. Um, think about it. If, if I am out, you know, networking in late October, it would not be abnormal for me to bump into someone and have them say, oh, yes, you know what? I, I really would like to list my property, um, but I want to wait till the holidays are over and get closer to spring. OK, so here I am in late October. I've got November, December, January, maybe even February. So that's four months before that lead is going to come fruition and I might have to actually start performing the duties of being a realtor. In the meantime, I am going to do things like nurture them, follow up with them, try to add value to them, maybe even send them a Christmas card. You know, I'm going to do things to stay in front of them and add value, stuff that we can easily be doing right now during this crisis, right? Until 
we are ready to go. And that's the idea of pipelining leads. We are still going to do the activities to generate them um, and convert them into clients, but we aren't going to be able to close the transaction or actually even start going forward till some undefined date later. And that's true of almost every winter for every location in North America too. So very rarely are we in a situation different than when we are now. It just so happens that in spring and summer, we're used to taking a listing and going, right? The rest of the year, it's not usually like that. So we just have to adapt to it not being like it is seasonally and operate like we normally would do in the other months of the year, sometimes we just have to be patient. We can't move everyone forward at the speed we'd like to. Um, and that's not always in their best interest. So the whole idea is to continue our lead generation activities and then pipeline and build up that business. And we're going to have, you know, months, even though we might have, it's possible that we're going to have low producing months in the early spring or late spring and early summer. Late summer, early fall, though, we might have record-breaking months for those types of the year if we're pipelining, and that will make up for any shortfall we had due to COVID. Um, so that's the idea, is to, we have to adopt a mindset that the activities that we perform today are not intended to generate business now. They're intended to generate business later. That's real estate. Does that, does that help you? Uh, you know what I love about that is the principles of real estate haven't changed. And so regardless of whether winter's coming or COVID's here, that what you do today is not an immediate payout. It is what you sow, then you can reap. And so it's planting, it's farming in more of the agricultural sense than the uh, prospecting sense. And so I love how you brought that up again, because principally people's mindset should continue to be what it's always been. And I think that's been a big struggle as you know for many agents is that the inconsistency the routines the dedication to what is producing income producing activities anything this is giving everybody an opportunity to get really clear on what are the principles and what can i do that's right yeah and um to me you know the name of the game has always been making contact with humans right i don't care what type of lead generation method you practice right you might you know, work your sphere of influence and or prospect for expired listings or, you know, door knock or call FISBOs or, you know, convert online leads, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the different ways that, that we coach and train that, you know, to generate business. Um, it doesn't really matter which one you do. It's always a game of contacts. How many conversations can you have, right? And that's what generates the lead. So now all of a sudden it seems like we've never had a better reason to communicate with people and we've never had a more captive audience right people are just like at home not shaving or getting haircuts like people have time they are they are <laughs> they are craving absolutely craving human contact so people are answering the phone and there's just a viable reason to check in on people that you know to see how they're doing it's actually appreciated right now so staying first of mind has actually never been more appreciated and easier um, and, and that's when, and when we're starting to find as this COVID thing moves on, um, more and more people are, are quite frankly, getting tired of COVID. Okay. And I don't want to say something politically incorrect here. Um, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to actually explain a, a general mindset in the customer base. I'm not trying to say that we should want to open up business or we should want to stay at home. I'm generally speaking, people are getting tired of it. Okay. Um, you know what I mean? They don't like it. They want to go back to normal. You know what I mean? Um, 
And so because of that, a lot of people are just starting to go back to normal subconsciously. Like people are starting to say, you know what? We are going to buy that home. We are going to list our home. You know, we're going to start. Maybe we're going to have the friends over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whether they should or not, I, I don't know. But people are doing it. You know what I mean? People are starting to like, because they can't take it anymore. We're, you know, we're social people. Whether right, wrong, or whatever political party you happen to be in on this one, they are starting to lax the isolation. Okay, and we're starting to see many states opening them up, and that kind of gives a little bit more credibility to those. So as that happens, and we're still out there making those contacts, we're starting to see that a larger number of them we don't need to pipeline till later. A lot of them hmm. are saying, "I'm just ready to go now." And I think with each passing week, a larger percentage of the people you're in contact with are going to say, "We're ready to go now," unless they're going to have to wait till later. In fact, I think every week after week after week, it's going to be an increasing percentage of people. You know, assuming there's not some resurgence of the virus or something that that is going to be more comfortable with moving forward right now. Because um, I think that's just a general population movement that I'm hearing from all of our coaches and all of the clients that we coach. That's getting to be the perception in every region of North America right now is people are just starting to go. Um, so I think if you're not in activity right now, if you're not doing something to generate business, which means you're not in contact with humans you're going to have a gap in production down the road. There is going to be, people are going to be earning a lot of gross commission income and you're not because they were in contact early on through this thing. So they didn't have, you know, so let's say that in May they're making lots of contact, which means they're going to be closing business in June and July when you wouldn't be. So and you're going to blame COVID and I'm going to say, don't blame COVID. You could have been doing it during COVID. Does that make sense? So hopefully right now this podcast is acting as a mirror for those who are watching and wondering what should I do and hmm, maybe something should be done. And so you did say agents should be doing something. Mm -hmm. What is that something? What is that opportunity? Well, I will say, you know, one of the things that we, we coach all agents that their foundation of their business should be working their sphere of influence. Okay. That's kind of, so there are lots of other ways to generate business and we coach them. And they should be done in addition to working your sphere of influence. That's our belief at ICC, right? So, so coach us right now on that. Okay. So, you know, the, the thing that we need to do is we need to have a group of people that we know who they are and they know who we are. Okay. And we'll call that your sphere of influence. Now we can have them categorized in different qual. You know, some people might know us a lot better. Some might be past clients. Some people might just be acquaintances, but all of those people by our definition would be included in our sphere of influence. And that's in the book that's sitting on your, on your cabinet in there in the, in the very first part of that book, actually. Let's pop that link into the chat for everybody. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so that's your sphere of influence, right? And we should have those in a database and we should also be friends with them on social media like Facebook. Right. So we should all of those people that we have in that database should be connected to on Facebook and Instagram, let's say. OK, because there's because, again, like I said, it's a, it's a game of contacts. We want to be in massive contact there. So if we are in massive contact, that means we are staying first of mind and we are trying to add value so that we're not offending them. We're certainly not being inappropriate. I don't think it's appropriate, um, certainly for the last five weeks, to be asking for business when we contact them during these times. It would be much more appropriate just to be reaching out and checking in. Right. So and what we believe um, at ICC and, and we've charted for years is that if we are able to contact every member in our sphere of influence database 
40 times a year. Okay. Now, again, we don't want to get a restraining order here. So we're going to diversify those contacts. You know, only a couple of those might be phone calls. There might be some informational emails, some social media contacts, some mailers, et cetera, et cetera, right? So we create an annual database contact plan um, that hopefully mostly is automated, um, if not entirely automated, in a CRM um, where we are reaching out to them through those different communication networks 40 times spread out over the course of a year, right? If we do that, we know that our clients will get a seven to, or sorry, our, uh, an agent will get a to one return okay so let's say they have 300 people in their sphere of influence database okay we know that they're going to get a seven to one off that 300 which means we take 300 we divide it by seven we're going to get 43 closed transactions or sides from those 300 people or the people they refer us to and that's important because most people know about 100 people so if you if you're friends with 300 that means and you market those 300 that means you're actually your target market is actually spreading out to about thirty thousand people because they all know a hundred people. Does that make sense? So they'll refer you if you stay first of mind with them. So during this COVID outbreak, we need to make sure that I mean every one of our clients should have called every member in their SOI just to check in, say, hey, you know, this is Brian. Uh, is Brian Eisenhower? I'm just checking in with you. How are you doing right now? Is there anything I can do for you? That's it. There is no asking for business. There's no call in the question. It's just being a compassionate human being, checking in. If it's a past client, it's like the best customer service on the planet. You're just making sure mm -hmm. everything is okay, right? Um, if they are a past client, it's how's the house? Anything you can, anything you're planning on doing to it? Can I help you with anything there? Can I get somebody out for you? We've got tons of trusted professionals that we give a lot of business to that we can hold to the highest level of accountability and uh, the highest level of customer service while giving you very reasonable prices. You want me to run one of those guys out and give you a bid? Things like that, I'm checking in if I can help. That's it, being there for people, okay? Staying first of mind, making a very powerful 40 contact, okay? One out of 40 contact. If we do that, like I said, seven to one, 300 people, that's 43 closed transactions a year. That's hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, in gross commission income. And I know a lot of people are watching saying there is no way that happens. Um, and that's not true, actually I've never, seen it not happen. I have seen the vast majority of agents not do what I said to do. That happens all the time. So if you don't think it happens, tell me how many agents you know that have called everyone in their sphere of, in oh, tell me how many agents you know that have a sphere of influence together in a CRM. That's number one. Then tell me how many people you know that have called them all twice in a year. Now we should probably have none. Maybe one. And that's the guy who got the 43 transactions. So what I'm saying is, if you find someone who does 40 contacts a year, there is a 100% chance that will work going forward. Okay. So after we saturate our database with 40 contacts in one year, the second year, we will get a 7 to 1 on average or very close to it. And that's something we've charted for years now. Okay. And if we just keep it going, it'll continue to, to render that result. So we're almost getting a salary. Um, in real estate. Um, it'll be very, very close to that if we keep those contacts up. The reason people don't believe it won't happen is because they, they, they can't imagine it's that easy. Um, but like I said, I've never seen it not happen, um, but I've seen a lot of people not do the 40 contacts for many different reasons. A lot of different good excuses there. Make sense? That was great. And we got a question 
coming in and just to let the audience know that we're going to save some questions for the end. Keep asking them. Amanda, welcome back. She was the winner a couple of days ago of one of our little oh, wow. contests we ran here. I just want to say hi to Bruce, hi to Michael, Eloise, Carol, uh, everyone else who's coming back to us. Let's just give them a little shout out. What's up? Good to see you guys again. Makes my job so much more fun. I feel like I'm making friends every day I show up here. Brian, you, the audience, this is <laughs> a little part of my day and uh, I love having everybody come up here. So we're going to take questions at the end because I've got a question for you right now that goes back to you said there's the two things that stop agents from earning that recurring revenue, that recurring salary. And one of them was step one, they don't have a database they put it in. And so what is it you think causes agents to not even do that first step? What stops them? I, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, I hated it. I mean, I, I, I hated like, I mean, you're in real estate, you just want to go. The last thing I want to do is sit down in front of a computer and input data. You know what I mean? Like that, that's just, it's not fun. I mean, real estate agents by definition are very social creatures. Um, and, and from a behavioral standpoint, they're not the type to like get in a chair all hunched over and just type, you know what I mean? And just right. with green lamps, you know, and just, and, and, and inputting data and, and collecting email addresses and phone numbers and even learning how to do a CRM or deciding on which CRM to buy. You know what I mean? And then exporting and importing and CSV files. It's not what people thought they were going to have to do when they got into real estate. They thought it was very social, shaking hands. So that's where there's a lot of, a lot of decisions and there's money. I mean, you got to, you know, if you're going to buy a CRM, some of those can get pretty expensive. So then they get polarized there and then, then they got to learn it and they got to troubleshoot it. And they got other agents they know that all say that their CRM is the best. So they just stop and they just get frozen. Lots of problems through there. Lots of so problems. What are some of your recommended solutions? Because I think you're right. Who wants to sit down and pull yeah. everything in? And unless you're an analytical marketer like myself on the day of the week that I do that stuff, uh, you're not going to do it. Um, so let's give the right. agents some solutions. I think you just painted a really great picture for what's possible if you're willing to make that first. Yeah make it through that first level of time and money investment. So let's get people through step one right now if they're considering this. Yeah, okay. Well, this is going to sound self-serving, <laughs> but I'll tell you, and I mean it with absolute sincerity, get a freaking coach and they'll make you do it. Okay. That, that is, cause I can tell you right now, that is one of the, especially for newer agents that don't have a CRM or they're in a CRM they're not using and they want to go to a new one. A coach is going to make you get through it. That's what, I mean, that's very common for us. A lot of people say, I don't want to start coaching until I get one. And that boy, is that the wrong way to do it? Like that, I mean, you're, you're going to end up undoing that, uh, very, very quickly. So I will tell you that's real important because the coach will make you do it. They'll make you make a choice. They'll make you go forward. They'll give you good advice about the different CRMs. And then they're going to make you do the, the, the terrible work. They're going to make you get your database put in there. They're going to make you make progress in learning how to do certain functions of it. Then they're going to hold you accountable to using those functions, setting up action plans, setting up lead follow-up campaigns. All that's going to actually happen. Um, and that's what coaches do. Uh, Yes, they do give you insight and they tell you how to do things and different ways to generate business. Yes, yes, knowledge is something you get. But accountability to do the non-fun stuff, that's probably the most under, uh, the, uh, underrated part of getting a coach right there. That makes sense. Yeah, so that like that's why would. people hire coaches to help them in the gym because it's hard work and I need someone to help me get through the pain to get to the gain. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's amazing how much accountability. I mean, to your point, this is how crazy that is. You hire a personal trainer 
And you think you're hiring him for knowledge because when I want to go to the gym, he's going to show me all the different exercises to do, right? But at some point in time, you know, there's only so many things that trainer can show you how to do. You know what I mean? It's pretty much repeat. So you're actually, at that point, you're just paying someone to make you show up. Because if you don't show up, you'll be guilty because you're paying someone. Hmm. That's the madness that exists up here. And, and quite frankly, people that are like self-aware of that, those are the ones that go very far. Um, you know, I'm not saying that a coach would not be able to continue to show you new things. They certainly will. But the point of the matter is being self-aware that someone else is going to have to push you through your demons. That is very normal. That's why all the top teams, agents, and brokers do have coaches. I mean, success leaves clues. And if you want to be one, I would pick them up and, you know, and, and start following um, so anyway, that's a huge plug, but I really do mean that from the, or I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. So that's I, I love that quote, success leaves clues. And that's, I think the reason why we're talking about things today. And you gave me a little bit of an epiphany to share with the audience around either you have a system or you are the system. And so you can put your investment of time into a system that starts to generate the results for you, or you're continually on the treadmill of always having to work that system. And so, uh, maybe a sub point to the the categories that you would put people in, because I think that's an important aspect is how and who do you categorize into those buckets? Because the person you're talking to, the message to market match, right? You need to know who you're talking to in order to say the right things, which then gets us to the next part of the show, which is scripting. And so let's find some buckets that you commonly prescribe or give agents who you coach. Um, those categories in which they could put people in. So then we can take the conversation into actually calling and saying things to those people. Not actually, but you know, scripting that up that way. Right. Well, we usually start with our strongest advocates first, right? And these guys are our, you know, you might call them your A plus clients, right? These are people that um, have are your closest people, like your best friends, your your immediate family, real close family, and people that have referred you business in the past. Okay. So they've referred someone to you. Not these are not your past clients. Your past clients are going to be next. Okay. So your so your they'd be your A clients. Okay. We're talking about your A plus. These are your strongest advocates. These are people that refer you to other people. They are out running around selling you, and they have done it in the past. Okay. And then your next category up from them are your past clients. These are all people that have used you. Okay. Right. Then what I would do is I would have two other categories after that, okay? So after that, now you could have just one other category. I like to keep it simple. So you're either going to have three or you're going to have four, depending on how big your database is. If you have um, 400 or less people, I would just have those three categories. But if you have an SOI that truly is composed of people that all know who you are at least, it's more than 400. I would probably then divide into three and, you know, a, a, a B and C category down there. Okay. Um, and the B and C category would be defined by people that you have been able to get a hold of and talk to that know who you are and people you have not. And our goal is to always take the C's and move them up to B's. Hmm. Okay. And then the B's, we want to move up into A's because they, we want them to become clients or that we want them to refer someone to us, which would be an A plus. Does that make sense? We're always trying to like work our SOI databases and, and groups. So we're trying to move them north, right? We're trying to make C's, B's, B's, A's, and A pluses, if that makes sense. Does that help? 
Absolutely, because it really sets up the next part of our conversation, which okay. I've asked this question a couple of times on some other shows, is why do you believe now might be the best time ever for working sphere of influence? Well, let me, uh, I can just tell you, I, I really do believe that it is oftentimes when you're calling your sphere of influence, um, you know, trying to figure out the content of that communication is so hard. You know what I mean? Because, like, I mean, there is a kind of a manipulative nature to it. In it, you know, no matter what you do, I mean, you hope you're you're doing your you're making your contacts because you want business to vote, but you also want to try to add value, come from contribution and care. Right now, it's very easy to care. You know what I mean? There, there's a lot of care going on. There's a lot of reasons to help people right now. Um, I'll give you one example. Like, a lot of people, like I said, are getting tired of COVID. Okay. But they're scared to death and not even so much about the virus as much as the economic fallout from this, their job, their, their financial position, the economy, whatever. Right. And if you think about it, like what for most people in North America, their biggest asset and their biggest liability is in their home or their real estate. So if we're just calling to check in. It's amazing how much our clients have seen that when we ask, is there anything we can do for you? They start asking about their house. Like, how much do you think my house is worth? Because all of a sudden they want to check their own balance sheet. You know, like, where am I at? You know what I'm saying? Um, do I have to make my mortgage payments? I heard I could defer them, but then I heard they were forbearance. What's the difference between deference and forbearance? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what's, what's going on there? Um, you could also help people that own small businesses with different stimulus programs like title loan or the SBA loans, the PPP loans, all those things. You can help them with that. And and we as agents, that's what we can do. Say, yes, you definitely should be doing that. Here's the link. Here's how you can do that. There's so many different ways to reach out and help the people we care about and the people in our SOI genuinely. It's very different than saying, hey, did you get that calendar magnet I sent you last week? You know what I mean? Like this, these are powerful contacts. You can change people's lives. So for an agent not to take advantage of that opportunity to help other people with the knowledge it comes back to you is mind boggling to me. You know? You've set up the next part of our conversation together perfectly, which is you've done a little bit of scratching of the surface by saying, be of service, don't ask for business. And now that we've kind of identified the different categories of people and the levels of service that we could provide or the depth of service relative to the content, um, let's talk about what to say, right? Let's get into maybe some role playing or scripting. Well, what we're, I mean, when, when we first reach out, this is going to sound terribly, it's going to be a buzzkill, but it's so simple. Um, well, here's what we're having our clients say. It's hi, how are you doing? I just wanted to check in on you. Let them talk. Is there anything I can do for you? That's it. I don't even want solutions from you. I just want them to know you're here. That's it. I don't want you to ask for any business. I don't want you to do anything. I just want to check in. How are you doing? Is there anything I can do for you? That's it. And right now you will be shocked how well that is received from people. Oftentimes they'll vent. They just want someone to talk to. Sometimes they will. And every now and then they will have questions. They'll say, you know what? We are thinking about buying a house. They'll bring it up. We're thinking about selling. Or I have questions about how much my home's worth. Or we go into those deferral programs. Let them bring their needs to you. This is the one time they actually will stop, have time, and do it. We, it 
right now it's not about scripting. I, I don't know that it ever is. I, I don't I don't like a lot of canned scripts that force people into a corner. It's never been my thing. Um, I think um, I think right now it's very important to be compassionate. I think you always should be. Uh, but I think right now you really, really, the script is really about asking the right questions. And right now asking questions directly about their needs and how you can help is very, very vulnerable. I think it's very well received. I think your answer solves this, but maybe there's some more you'd like to add is that we ran a survey to our customers a little while back about why they don't work their sphere of influence. And one of the things that came back over and over and over again is they didn't want to be perceived as pesky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is really interesting because I, I look at, there's like two different ends of the spectrum here for different lead generators, right? So on this end, you've got the referral-based agents, okay? So these guys are like, and this is the majority, this is most agents, they wanna build a network of people they know, stay in contact with them and add value. Okay, super duper. Very much in alignment with my sphere of influence group book, right? I've also got a book called Prospect. It's an even bigger book. And it's all the different ways I refer to prospecting kind of in a unique way. That's generating business from people we do not know. Okay, so expired listings, FISBOs, circle prospecting, et cetera, et cetera, right? And I love this too. These things work as well too. However, these people are very different than these people oftentimes should be. Um, I believe you should do both. Um, this one helps you cultivate the business from the people you know. Prospecting helps you go out and meet new people, generate business right now, and then add them into your sphere of influence over here. <laughs> that makes sense. It's very hard to get up in here. But the... Uh, <laughs> I know, it's a, it's a small, yeah, narrow... Limited, yeah. The <laughs> Talking with your hands in the Zoom world during COVID. Uh, just, it's tighter. Um, that's your next book. That's right. <laughs> so um, prospect is for working, for generating business for people we don't know, right? Um, so these people over here in the prospect land, they're looking over at the referral-based people and saying, man, I, I, I just want to prospect for business for people I don't want to know. If I call expireds and I call FISBOs, those are people that I know want to sell right now. The last thing I want to do is hassle the people I know over here and just be manipulative and just kind of like send them magnets and be nice and be buddy-buddy and give them puffy paints and then hopefully they use me someday out of guilt. Okay? That's how the prospectors feel about the referral people. The referral people look at the prospectors and say, man, I want to just work with people I know. I want to take care of my people. The last thing I want to do is cold call people and get yelled at all day long. I hate it when people call, cold call me. I'm not going to cold call them. And what's funny, both are right. I can see both sides because that's the hard part of both businesses. You know what I'm saying? But there's really no other way to generate business in, in, in real estate. You're going to have to either build, you know, work with people you don't know or people you do. I mean, that's everybody the world right there between those two categories so we're gonna i mean so you can find excuses for both but the point of the matter is if you don't know what to say because you feel like you're hassling problem people you've got a content problem and in this world especially especially in the world after covid content is king so if you do not know what to say that means you don't know how to add value which means you don't have anything to give and you can't come from contribution, which means you need to work on content. You need to find something to give to people so you can help people so that you aren't perceived as you're hassling people. 
which is why in the past people have given out things like calendar magnets or whatnot um, because you know people put them up on their fridge and it's something of value and it gives you a reason to stay in front of people. Now there's lots of things during COVID that we can do with them. Does that make sense? Does that kind of? Yeah, I wanna talk to the audience right now and see if they have any questions because you really brought up an issue that maybe in the forefront or back of their minds that maybe they're also feeling the same way. Like, what do I say? Do I, I do feel pesky. And so uh, anybody who's watching this right now in the audience who feels that way, your questions, how can we help you? What do you need to know? How can we diagnose, break that down or give you a sense of confidence around your content? And so pop that into the chat. And also it enters you to win one of uh, Brian's consulting sessions. Like we said, at the beginning of the show today, anybody who asks a, a legitimate question is gonna be uh, invited to participate with one of Brian's coaches after the show for a consult on how they can help uh, them get member more clarity on their business. Um, and while we wait for some of those questions to come in, Brian, the next thing that we were talking about was the step after all this, when the virtual listing appointment day becomes how we do business every day going forward. And so maybe you wanna spool that up as we wait for some of those questions to come in. Yeah, that is, you know, we were talking where this came out, you know, we have a lot of clients, like I said, we, we found our, we, our foundation is based on the sphere of influence. And then we have a lot of clients as well, too, that prospect on top of that activity, right? So we're trying to, you know, uh, so maybe we have an SOI, we're contacting them, we're running an annual database contact plan on them adding value, but we're also spending a portion of our, our days trying to prospect for expired listings, whether it's new expired listings or expired listings, uh, they're old from years ago. Um, and we do use, we do recommend that clients all use Red X. A lot of them are in the Red X Onyx program, actually, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, and they love that. Um, so um, one of the things that has happened with COVID, it's kind of weird because with expired listings, I do love expired prospecting. I love it because it's, you know, a good expired prospector I found, if they can talk to 20, 25 people a day, they'll often get a listing appointment every single day, right? Um, and so the key is, can I talk to 20 or 25 people a day? And, you know, if we do, we're typically going to go on four or five listing appointments a week. And typically we're going to get two or three of those listing appointments. Okay. Problem is COVID comes along and we can't go on listing appointments. Okay. So that changes things because expired prospect has always been a numbers game, right? Like, I, like, let's say, and this is not a good ratio, but let's say you talk to 20, 25 people a day and you get a listing appointment every day. Okay, so let's say you get five, and of those, or let's say four, let's just say you, you not, let's say we get four a week, okay? And of those four, we're only able to convert two of them to listings, okay? Well, there's 52 weeks in the year. We'll give you two weeks off for vacation. That's 50 weeks in the year. If you do two listings a week, 50 weeks, I think it's 100 listings you're going to take a year from prospecting for expires. And those are real numbers. Like that happens. You know this, Justin. Those, I mean, those are, you know, if we get a disciplined person, can stay on the phone and try to make contacts for two to three hours a day, they will get two listings a week, 100 listings, okay? But that's all dependent on going on those four listing appointments to get two. If we can't go on those four listing appointments, then all of a sudden our numbers go to zeros every single week, okay? It's hard to pipeline expired listings because we don't have a relationship with them. With our sphere of influence, it's very easy to pipeline them so that later on down the road, we can get in front of them, but with expired, it's a little 
deeper, right? We have to really nurture the heck out of them and try to add value. So what do we do? We said, well, I tell you what, we can't do an in-person listing, but what we can do instead is we can actually set a virtual listing appointment right away, except it's actually even better because the virtual listing appointment, we don't have to set for four o'clock that night or three o'clock the next day. The minute we get like a live fish on the line, we can set the hook right away and just say, hey, let me just send you a quick link. Boom, they've got a Zoom link texted to them or emailed to them, and we're instantly in a listing consult, hmm. right in the middle of while we're doing contacts. So that way, because you're going to find if you don't do that and you try to set a virtual listing appointment later, what will end up happening is oftentimes they just won't be available for it. They will ghost you. And you'll start to see it's a like a 50% conversion rate from listing appointment set to listing appointment held. Hmm. So you're going to lose half your listing appointments because you set it later. But if you send it right away, they're still on the phone with you, and you can kind of walk them through clicking on it. And then now we're in front of them, and we're in a listing console. Now we found once we did that, and this is all just trial and error over the last six weeks, to be perfectly honest with you. So we're winging this like you wouldn't believe. But we have some really good clients that are really good at prospecting for expired. So this, so they, they worked with us on this. So then what happens is we, they were shocked as to how many people would just sign a listing appointment on a virtual listing without ever going to the house. Because it was, all of a sudden that was socially acceptable. Pre-COVID, that was not acceptable. Pre-COVID, you were a lazy agent if you wouldn't even go out to the house. After COVID, it was like, well, now you're responsible and you, you provide a higher level of customer service. So we so they would just say, hey, you know, in light of everything that's going on right now, would you prefer we just start out with a with a meeting uh, via video conference? I wouldn't call it a listing consult. I wouldn't call it anything. I would just say, you know, would you would you prefer? And now it's like a customer service, and they'll almost always say yes. Or you could just send it to them and say, hey, I just sent you a video link. Why don't you click on that? Next thing you know, they're walking you through the house, you know, showing you their home. And they feel comfortable that you know it. You can talk. All of a sudden, you can pull up comps on your screen. And with any video conferencing app, you can screen share and show them the comps that you're looking at. You don't even have to print out a CMA. You can just keep it digital right on your screen and show it to them. Then we can send them a listing consult and walk them through it by sharing your screen again. And then having them sign it via DocuSign or what have you. And oftentimes, you're done right there. And we found of the listings taken that started in a virtual listing consult, 50% of them have signed at the listing consult. Hmm. Now, here's the thing. The 50 that didn't, that's when we set the in-person. So that's, that step is still there. It's not like we're giving up the in-person. It's we're just trying to do it via virtual video conference first. And if it doesn't work, then it's like, okay, great. Well, I'll tell you what. How about I get in front of you and we'll actually take an in-person look at the house. Go through it in more detail. Give me some time to get some more homework for you. I can pull up some more comps. And then we actually go in front of them uh, to actually set our normal listing console. But that then becomes our second appointment because they've already met with me and seen me once. So the, the likelihood of me closing them if I can get that second appointment now is much higher, right? Because we have a relationship now. I mean, we've actually talked. We've met via video conference. And I've met them in person, right? So... We're actually thinking about doing this. This is what I was telling you post-COVID. Like maybe we should do this every time. Now that everybody's totally cool with video conference, let's try to do it this way. 
we could always offer this service. Hey, would it, you know, would you prefer at least we, we you know, we try to meet by video conference first? They'll almost always say yes. That sounds easier than getting my house ready. I send it to them, try to convert the listing consult video uh, via video. And if not, at least get it signed. And if not, then we try to close to the appointment in the actual house. I don't think everybody listening to this right now knows how valuable what you just said is. Because if I look at the number one complaint slash desire by every agent out there, it's differentiation in value. How am I different? How can I offer value? And it almost changes the game where before your goal as an expired prospector was something of value outside of the phone call. The goal and the experience by the customer was usually based on most scripts, get the appointment, handle the objections, get to the closing uh, of the appointment. But now it almost sounds like with the video aspect is the the call itself is an invitation to value because at the end of the call, they're going to get information about their home. They're going to get information about you. And now that the ability to have a listing appointment set virtually and closed, I think that is that sets up a whole new set of value for agents who do expireds and FISBOs in a way that wasn't previously, I think, visible to most agents out there. No, I really think we're out in front of this one. Um, this this is something we definitely kind of started doing on our own. <laughs> I didn't, I, you know, um, I'm all in favor of copying other models that work and 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 then implementing those. But this this really is something we played around with. And you're right, it does work with FISBOs too, the exact same way. Um, but it's really, you know, it, it has worked. And I just don't. The only reason we would stop doing this way is if somehow which I don't think is going to happen. Society got back to a place where um, we were all face-to-face and huggy-huggy again. And I'm not sure that we're going to get there. You know what I mean? Like um, we may live in a new pandemic world where there, you know, a little bit of social distancing is always a good idea. Um, so being able to offer that, it becomes a safer option for people. Um, and if you, if you leave, I mean, also I'm doing is offering that to them. I mean, if they say, no, I'm an in-person person, of course you're going to go and, and you know, you're going to go. But um, but by offering this, boy, is this going to speed things up. Um, and so the, our clients to do it is uncomfortable. It was to switch up their processes because, quite frankly, we've been doing expired listings for like 30 years the same way. You know what I mean? They haven't changed. It's like, you know, and they work fabulously. Um, I guess, you know, you know, companies like Red X have, have, have definitely made it a lot more um, uh, easy and um, increased our conversion rates tremendously. Um However, we've always kind of followed the same processes. Now, though, I really think this is a viable change that can really increase our conversion. Basically, we're going to get more listing appointments because of this. And if we get more listing appointments, my four a week to two could easily be eight a week to four. Is that, and, and that just doubles all our numbers. Right, right. Uh, across top the line. Right. 100, 100 listings a year turns into 200. Um, and you're driving around less. So, I think everybody um, likes that. And yes. <laughs> yes. It feels like feels like we have to bring you back to talk specifically about, about expireds one of these days because I would love to do a little simulation right now uh, of what it sounds like. Our audience loves this part where call it role play. If you could, if I will pretend to be in some way the homeowner who's agreed to the listing appointment online, just to give them some scripting language. I know scripting is sometimes not the best words, but just a model to follow. If at the end of that call that you make to me, uh, we'll just jump to that point. 
if you could then just kind of start to engage, hey, you know, uh, I'm going to send you the link, click the link, open the thing, and like walk me through as if I was that homeowner that you were trying to get the appointment with. So that way people kind of hear the tonality and instructions that you give. Sure, sure. I, I think I would, I would say something like, hey, in light of everything that is going on right now, um, how would you feel about us just talking about your home uh, via video conference very quickly? Sure, let's do that. Okay, great. How about, uh, would you like me to text you a quick link? Sure. Here's my number. Excellent. Okay. Um, so I, I text it, text it to the number. I'd say, go ahead and open that up on your phone. Great. Should be pretty easy to use. Do you see me on there? Hi. Good. There you are. There. Hey. Excellent. You're a normal human. Excellent. Okay. Now, depending on where we are, um, you know, I, I don't know what happened on the phone call before this, mm -hmm. but at this point in time, we have what we call a seller lead sheet where we ask a series of questions, right? Usually that's about their motivation. Um, it's gonna be about uh, the home, their degree of urgency. Um, and it's, uh, there's an old adage you can, if you, if, if you wanna know what's kind of broken down on a seller lead sheet, it's called LP mama, right? Um, we wanna know about the location of their home. Uh, we wanna know about what they think the price of their home is. I always wanna know that. Um, I want to know about their motivation. Um, I want to know if they are, uh, if they have talked to another agent or they're planning on interviewing uh, another agent. I want to know about their current mortgage on the home. Do they have a mortgage? How much they still owe on that mortgage? Um, and then I'm going to close to an appointment, but we're in the appointment right now. And that's mm -hmm. Alpha. That's the acronym that's broken down, right? So a, a seller lead sheet, I'm going to ask all of those questions on the seller lead sheet. And then I'm going to ask them to kind of take me on tour of the home. I'm going to say, hey, why don't you, i tell you what, there's a little button up in the corner where you can turn your camera around so it points out the front. It's a little circle with two arrows. Do you see that? Um, and this could be a Zoom link. It'll totally mm -hmm. let them do that. And it just points it right out the front of their phone. And they can just walk through the home and just tell me about it and so I, this is just like i'm in the house and i'm having them show me their home they're giving me a virtual tour of their home okay i'm gonna Great. let them tell me all about it so now we've toured the home and i then and then once that's done we're gonna sit back down again i've asked them all those questions on the seller lead sheet what's your square footage what's the bedroom bath you know, are you thinking about buying another home? Because I might be talking about that a little bit, you know, about setting them up on a listing e-alert search for where they're going to buy a home. Have they met with another agent? All of those different things. Are they planning on meeting with another? All of those questions I've already asked, right? Okay. So I now know everything I need to know about have they, have they met with a lender yet? Would you like me to refer a lender to you? All of those questions are on a seller lead sheet. So I've asked those questions. I've had them tour me through the home. They don't even know, but we're doing a listing appointment, right? So all the getting ready, oh, I'm not ready for that. Oh, you're already there. It's like I just slipped the Novocaine in your mouth. We're going to pull the tooth out. Don't be nervous. It's done. And it's wonderful. They feel that way too, I'll say. Uh, so then once we've toured the house and they kind of settle back down to wherever they're settled down, I'm just going to say, okay, um, other than the price of their homes, of the home, are there any questions you have about me? And they'll almost always say no which means you're good with me. So how about we talk about the price? So I'll say, I'll tell you what, what I'm gonna do right now, and I've been doing this while they're touring the home, I've been pulling up my MLS, and I've been actually putting together a CMA for their mm. neighborhood. 
Okay, because it's a house. I mean, they're touring the house. Yeah, I mean, you could look at it, but you can, you know, you've seen a few houses. So you can pull up a CMA, and then you can share your screen with them and say, take a look at these. These are some comparison sales. And when an appraiser comes and appraises your home, he's going to look at these values to determine what your home's worth. So we have to kind of sell your house twice, right? We have to sell it to a person that wants to buy it. But since over 99% of the people get a loan to buy a home, that lender for the buyer is going to require an appraisal to come in and have an appraised for value. So I love your home. It looks beautiful. I don't think we're going to have a hard time getting a buyer, but I do want to make sure that that mean evil appraiser is, is okay with our price. So take a look at these values. Um, and you can kind of see roughly they're going to price your home based on similar sizes. These and we're going to talk about the price. And then after that, I'll say, and I'll make sure that they're okay with that price if they're not like if we're having a problem or they're uncertain because price is your biggest objection we always tend to have to overcome right um, there are other objections but price is almost always present at that point in time if we're okay with the price we can go ahead and just say hey I tell you what why don't we go ahead if you can authorize me to start doing some work for you I can start coordinate some of the listing information the marketing materials we can schedule maybe a photographer stage or things like that I need you to authorize me to go to work for you. Um, when did you want to have the home up for sale? Then they're going to tell me because it doesn't really matter to me at this point. They want to put it up Friday. They want to put it up in a month. I'm good as long as we sign the agreement. That's what I'll write in it, right? Uh, and then I'll have them sign it. If not, if they're like, well, I'm not sure, that's, I'm going to set the in-person appointment. I'm going to say, I tell you what, how about I take an in-person look at it? I can meet you face-to-face, -face, you know, and then set a follow-up appointment in their house. And that's going to feel like a follow-up appointment because if you can get in that house, that's like getting in a second listing appointment. If you get a second listing appointment, it's yours. Very rarely do you not get a second listing appointment. And that's going to be the case here too. Does that make that sense? Beautiful. Yeah. I think you gave the audience a very clear step-by-step. -step. If they had to go set a virtual listing appointment right now, they could listen to this, watch the replay and have a guide towards getting that stuff done. And so we're coming up on our last couple of minutes here. And so we did promise the audience some question and answer time. And so if there's been any questions during this episode today that you didn't get addressed or asked, please put that into the chat right now. Brian and I are going to go through some of the questions we have. And like we said before, everyone who's asked a legitimate question today is going to get a free coaching consult with his team, and they're going to help you discover ways to unlock potential that are probably not quite as clear to you as they could be. So, uh, Brian, one of our first questions comes back from a, a favorite here, Amanda Smith. She's always involved, always engaged, and she asks uh, for newer agents that have a smaller sphere of influence, what lead sources do you recommend they focus on? Uh, number one, I would recommend growing that sphere of influence first and foremost. Um, don't just, don't because most agents, especially when they're newer or younger or a combination of the two, they'll say, well, I don't know a lot of people or I don't, I'm new to an area or all the people I know are young, so they have no money. Boy, those are the people we want you. So your first and foremost thing is to grow your sphere of influence. That's first and foremost. So trust me, all those people that are friends of yours that have no money, they've got brothers, they've got sisters, they've got parents. Remember, if you're marketing to 300 people, you're marketing to the 100 people they all know. Okay. Mm. So market to that group. Plus those people will grow up and they will, they will spend money. So we don't ever neglect the SOI. I am getting to your answer though, Amanda. I appreciate it. And since you're a, a, an MVP on these and a past champion, I will make sure we get to the second half. But, but first and foremost, we don't ever neglect that SOI. Um, so we want to grow it. So we're going to, we're going to concentrate on adding five new people to your SOI 
every single week. That would be what I recommend. And, you know, again, 50 weeks in the year, you add five a week, you got 250 people in your SOI. I don't care how many you start with. That's a good, healthy SOI. You're going to get a lot of business from that. You're going to close. If you contact them 40 a year, uh, 40 times a year, um, carry the one, uh, 250 divided by seven, you're going to close 36 transactions a year off that. So we're one year away from you having a great SOI if you can meet and obtain mindshare with five people a week. That'd be my goal for you if I were coaching you, number one. Now, other things, I mean, there's lots of different ways to generate business. A lot of them work around the SOI. So we could, you know, get on, make sure those 250 people and the five people we add a week are actually friends on Facebook. So we're staying in front of them too, there as well. I personally, I mean, if, if you were to drop me, there's so many, depending on who you are and what you like to do, and we even test your behavioral profile to make sure whatever lead generation method uh, that we recommend is a good fit for your behavioral profile. But I know that if I went back to selling real estate, I would do exactly what I'm telling you. I'd build my SOI and I'd work that number one. And number two is I'd do expired listings. That's just me though. I mean, I'm not telling you that's the best for you. I love expired listings. Uh, personally, a lot of my coaches don't. Um, a lot of my clients don't. Um, I love them because I know if I can talk to 20 people a day, I'm going to get a listing appointment and I can get a listing appointment every single day. So long as I can do that painful activity of calling people, uh, for uh, two, three hours a day. And by noon, I'm done with work every day, except I get to go on a listing appointment. So if I don't know anybody and I just work expireds, I don't mind the pain of calling people I don't know and getting screamed at every single morning. But that's me. It's okay if you can't deal with that. Uh, a lot of people I know can't deal with that. Um, my wife can't deal with that. My wife doesn't do that. You know, she, my wife sells, you know, she's the number one agent in Central California, sells hundreds of homes a year. So, uh, but she's not going to do that. Um, but I, I would. Um, so if you ask me what I think are the two best, I think those two together are the quickest way for you to get more business than you can handle by yourself. That's for sure. Thanks, Brian. I'll just say thank you for Amanda. And Amanda, if you enjoyed that answer, just give us some thumbs up. And I know you'll be back to ask more questions again later. Uh, another question from Maurice and says, he lives on the West Coast. What would be considered his sphere of influence now that he lives in the Midwest? How would you go about building a relevant sphere of influence in a new market? Okay, very common one. Um, well, the first thing I would do if I hit a new if I hit a new market and I moved, I would pick some activity like expired prospecting or FISBO prospecting or both to start business right now because I'm sure Maurice you need to eat right so we got to get business right now um, and that's gonna also enable you to meet a lot of people right now um, so you're gonna be in conversation meet a lot of people and build relationships I mean you're forcing yourself to talk to like 20 people every single morning in a two or three hour time block um, so you're gonna just forcibly meet a lot of people and that's gonna help you grow your SOI for business later. And some of those people are gonna to wanna to sell business, you know, do transactions right now. So that you kill two birds with one stone when you do that. Now, the next thing I do is I try to get, you know, I don't know if you're married or not, um, but I would try to get very active in the community. Um, so, you know, if you have a, you know, a spouse, um, if you have children, you know, getting involved in different organizations that support them, um, getting involved in um, different uh, community service like rotaries, um, uh, uh, networking groups, business networking groups, like BNL, things like that, where you can get out there and you can actually meet other people. Is it get in, 
involved in as many groups as humanly possible so you can just amplify your contacts with other people in the local community. So if you're in Rotary, Kiwanis, Lions, B&L groups, PTAs, um, you know, your kid's soccer league, you know, whatever the governing body of that is, sounds like a nightmare, but all of those things, you got to kind of forcibly put yourself in those places. So you meet as many people as humanly possible. They become SOI members. And, and quite frankly, a lot of those people want to buy and sell in the near future as well, too. So you just got to immerse yourself when you first start and you don't have to do this forever. That's the thing. Cause it does sound like to someone like me, it sounds like a living nightmare. But when I'm trying to get a business start, started, it's not all that much fun. I don't care what you do. So I get in there. I'm going to get myself and establish those contacts. Once I've got a lot of contacts, then they become a little bit more automated. Maybe I can start pulling back from some of those obligations socially. And now I've got them in a CRM, maintaining a relationship in more of a normal fashion. Um, but that's what I would do. Thanks, Brian. And Maurice, sounds like that is a good... Set up for your answer in that. Uh, one last question uh, from Eloise, and we're going to put a little wrap on the show. Uh, she just asks, um, are you friends with or related to, at least uh, from your coaching perspective, Brian Buffini? Uh, I'm not, I, I do know him. Um, I am not friends with him. Um, he does teach a lot of referral-based stuff as well, too. Um, I think you're going to find most real estate coaches – you're going to, you know, even the ones that coach prospecting uh, do believe in referral based business because it's, you know, it's 80% of the business out there. I mean, you, you talk about, um, you know, NAR, National Association of Realtors, a survey of home buyers and, and home sellers every single year. And they interview all these home buyers and sellers and they, and they talk about, you know, what realtor they choose or what realtor they work with. And over 80% of them said it was a realtor either knew, knew of, or someone referred them to them. And that's all referral based. Right. It's either the people in your SOI or the people they refer you to. Um, so that's the bulk of the business out there is cultivating this large group of people that you're in relationship with. Almost every coach um, does that. I do think um, where, where Brian, who's a great coach and they've got a great organization where they differ from us a little bit is we don't just teach that. Um, we teach, you know, we coach, you know, real estate teams. We coach online lead conversion systems. We teach real estate team structure and how to onboard inside sales agents, how to use showing assistance, buyers agents, um, real estate brokerages, all of the things above. So we're a little bit more customized than him, um, but uh, he certainly has a great organization and I'm very much in alignment with his thinking about building a referral-based business, I think is the words he used, or business by referral, I can't remember. Um, I, I'm very much in alignment that that should be your key. So he's a good coach and a good organization. Thanks again, Brian. Let the audience, everyone who asked a question today, if you want to email in marketing at the .com. If, if you are on the live show, we'll get your email address. We'll send those over to Brian and his team, and they'll reach out and connect with you guys. And uh, we're going to invite Brian into our elite prospectors group at the end. So he's going to stick with us at the end of the show, talk with him in some uh, post-show conversations. But if you're not yet in the Facebook group, the elite prospectors group, Brian's going to jump in there and answer some questions after the show when we post the recording in there. And so, Brian, any last thoughts for the day? No, I really appreciate you guys having me, Justin. Thanks. Thank you for everything you guys do and, and Red X does uh, for our clients as well, too. It's been wonderful. Uh, Wonderful uh, working with you guys, and I really want to thank everybody that tuned into this.
Thank you. And we look forward to having you back on the show, getting more into your systems and what you say, what you do to help agents succeed and achieve. And just for everybody watching tomorrow, we've got a special guest, another special guest, Mike Simonson from Altos Research. Kind of like Keeping Current Matters, he's got an approach and a viewpoint on the real estate industry that lets you look at homes on a zip code by zip code basis, county by county basis. So if you need data, if you need content, if you need a way to stay in front of your customers, he's also got approach and system that he's going to come on and share with you things that he's seeing and doing to keep himself, his agents, his teams stable and focused on opportunities. So tomorrow's going to be a, a great episode. And so look forward to that then. Until then, have a great rest of your day. I'm your host, Justin Zimmerman with the Stability and Opportunity Podcast.